nobody else knows. And it, you know, I think I really started to realize that when I turned 25, mm. somewhere in that year where it was like I was, you know, stumbling with adulthood and was finally getting some kind of footing with things. And I was like, um, I remember just realizing nobody really knows. Like nobody's really getting this right. No. Like my age, younger, older, far older. Like everyone's been doing things in a way that they think they should either by their own standards or through someone else's, like we're saying. But nobody really knows. Like, nobody's really got it right. And even if somebody for themselves would say they did get it right, then that's for themselves and still not for you. It's for them. Yeah. And that's still based on what they know. Yeah. And right, know. what they've experienced. Right. Yeah. 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 And because of that, that actually brought me a lot of, um, like, relief. It was like... Oh, okay, I'm not the only one that it doesn't quite get this mm-hmm. or doesn't quite know what's the right thing to do with this kind of situation. Right. Nobody else does. I feel better now. Right. Now I can just go ahead and we just go do this where I think we should. Yeah. All right, so we're going to talk about, you know, just living your life. I'm down for that. Living your life. What does that statement make you think of? Um, if someone said, yo, live your life, E. Yeah. What does that mean? Um, be intentional, you know, uh, about, um, you know, what you decide to do, man. Like, you know, um, not just... You know, life looks like sometimes for some people and to some people, like it just happens to us. You know, like, oh, man, that dude's lucky. It happened for him. Yo, she's good, man. Like, it just happened for her. You know, but there's really a lot more uh, intentionality that goes into, um, you know, having the life that you want. It It really doesn't just show up. You know, that's... No. You know, so intentionality, you know, just really being intentional about it. So what do you think? I um I agree with that, but I first think of um just kinda still in line with like living the life that you want mm-hmm. but like being comfortable with it too, or at least yeah. working towards that. Just like whatever you truly feel that you are, uh and like truly want to, to do that. And like to not allow what ever like reasons you can come up with to not do it because we do that all the, I do it um but I'm like I'm getting to a place that I really like that it's like just do it like so what and I'm telling I tell myself that you know and that's my way of practicing doing it and I like you know anxiety can creep up like well you can't do this yet you're not old enough for that people aren't going to respect you or listen to you or uh, you don't know enough yet you know you need to learn a little bit more about it first or uh, you know, whatever. Those are some of the things that come up for me. And I'm like, I, I should learn more. I should do more first. I should, you know, set this up in this way first. But I'm at a place now. Um, I'm not completely there, but uh, I do. I practice it. And I'm just like, so what? I'm just going to do it. Like, no one has, like, the blueprint for life. And so n- no one can say why I shouldn't do anything. Like, I have to make that call. 
and I'm calling to just do it, like just go. And any like person who comes to me and like shares an idea or uh, a reason why they can't do something or what's stopping them, I'm like so, like do it. Because I need somebody to tell me that. So I've been telling myself that and now I'm telling other people like just do it, man. Like just go, just go do it. And if it does fail, uh, or if you do come to learn that you need it to be prepared better, well, then now you know that. And now you can do it some more with that new knowledge. Like, just go. Sounds like intentionality. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just go do it, man. There's, um, I looked up something before we started that I had talked about before, but I, I wanted to make sure I, like, had all of it together before we, we did this. Uh-huh. It's something called the, um, I think it's Karpman, Dr. Karpman, uh, K-A-R-P-M-A-N, the Karpman Drama Triangle. Okay. You heard of it? Tell me about that. You know about it because you've talked about it, but you okay. you know might not know about this specific you know model for it. Um, but it's a, it's a tool used in psychoanalysis to help people with things. Um, Specifically, it it deals with transactional analysis, which is basically analyzing someone's uh, behaviors and intentions through what kind of transaction occurs in in situations. So the drama triangle, it places people into one of three roles, the victim, the hero or savior, and the uh, perpetrator. And we tend to put ourselves into one of those spots. It's usually either the victim or the hero that we put ourselves in. And so then we find people to fill those other roles so that we can continue playing the role that we decided for ourselves. After I learned about this, however long ago it was, I started noticing it in like other people when they would tell me about things. But so, you know, I tend to find that people make themselves a victim. Um, And this is, of course, not to say that there are people who are truly victims of like, certain traumatic experiences but this triangle is exclusive to people who put themselves in this role unnecessarily for the sake of some kind of personal gain the person who puts themselves as the victim they completely uh rid themselves of the responsibility for you know, changing or fixing whatever it is in their lives. Give it to others. They, yeah, they give it to someone else, yeah. the hero or savior. And, you know, this is the person that's, you know, basically, woe is me, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't do anything about it. And the hero, sometimes self-appointed, a lot of times self-appointed, uh, <laughs> they um, want to, you know, find a victim. And at the core of it is because they don't want to deal with whatever they have going on. And so they, you know, find somebody else to fix and work on so that they don't have to look at themselves. And so in a way, they perpetuate the behaviors of the victim. They're enablers. And they do it all behind a mask of, I just really want to help people. Uh And not to say that there aren't people who really want to help, but that person who, like, really sees themselves as this savior um, and that they're needed to make other people's uh, lives better. And without them, this person is, you know, going to perish. And then the... uh, the uh, perpetrator uh, is usually uh, tyrannical in a sense, kind of an authoritarian figure. And, you know, this person could be violent, uh, aggressive in, you know, whatever way. And it's usually because they are insecure about something. And so it expresses itself 
in this violent manner. And so this triangle is used as a psychoanalysis tool to help show people that they're putting themselves in this position that they don't need to be in and to help them, you know, overcome it, to break out of it. You, you break out of that by recognizing what it is that's causing you to, to do this, basically, and working on that thing. It's usually an avoidance of something personal, something um, uh, inside. And I bring that up because I think that that's something that really keeps people, like really holds people back from living what they might consider to be a full life. And I see it a lot, and it's like, it's hard to watch or like to hear stories of things. And it's like, like you're doing this to yourself, like just stop. And of course it's not easy to just stop, especially after years of practice of being a victim. Oh, you know. Yeah, that's what you're doing. You need somebody else to come and save you. It's like the uh, Mario and Peach analogy you did in the Word Up Wednesday. Right. It's a blocker of intentionality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I know it was called that, though. Um, now, now, who's Dr. Cartman? He was a student of, um, I don't remember the guy's name, but he was a student of a psychologist who uh, coined the term of a transactional analysis. And so I think he was just going off of his teachings yeah. and developed this model to look at and to help um, others, uh, you know, work through that kind of problem. I'm going to make sure I'm saying his name right, too. I'm going to pull it back up. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Stephen Karpman. Okay. Yeah, that's, um, that's interesting because we see that all the time. Yeah. Persecutor is the role that I was <coughs> meaning to say. The persecutor. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um, and it's very good. Um, and I think everybody is, you know, well, when I say everybody, like if you are, say, a persecutor, mm -hmm. you know, you embody some of the other two. And, oh, yeah. The roles are interchangeable. All the way around. Yeah. Yeah. All the way around. You embody the other two, wherever you find yourself in that triangle. Um, if the hero part... Um, that's that's uh that's interesting. Um when we talked about um like you mentioned the the um Super Mario, mm -hmm. you know, him just like being the hero. Um that's pretty much the deal. Like that's just what you do. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you do look for somebody who needs saving, you know. Um but the victim, yeah, that that is um and, and you look for a hero. You look for somebody that's gonna make you important. A lot of people do that, you know, for um, validation. Yeah. You know, I got to be the vi the victim. Mm -hmm. You know, I need somebody to validate me. Um, am I important enough to put this much time and effort into? Mm -hmm. um, the and, and it's funny because I think whoever we ask, you know, like you, you could ask one person about Johnny over there. And to somebody, Johnny's a hero. Somebody else, Johnny's a victim. To somebody else, Johnny's a persecutor. You know, I did like perpetrator because it made me think about a, a villain. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and and the, the part of it that's really interesting is that in somebody's story, you're one of those. And you don't really even know which one you are. Yeah. You know, because that's dependent on what lens they're looking through. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it's quite interesting. And it just becomes this big thing of interlocking triangles. I wonder what kind of shape that makes. 
The Star of David. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty wild, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this says, um, that's a Wikipedia uh, like kind of overview. Uh, the victim, if not being persecuted, will seek out a persecutor and also a rescuer or hero who will save the day, but also perpetuate the victim's negative feelings. The rescuer or hero, their rescuing has negative effects. It keeps the victim dependent and doesn't allow the victim permission to fail and experience the consequences of their choices. The roles, uh, the rewards derived from this rescue role are that the focus is taking, taken off the rescuer. When they focus their energy on someone else, it enables them to ignore their own anxiety and issues. Yeah, they come out feeling validated by someone else. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a terrible place to it's be in. ugly. Like to be stuck in that kind of... Uh, ugly. Yeah, triangle. Yeah. Man, and it's not truly altruistic. It's, no. you know, but that's different. Yeah. It's it's really like, I yeah, like validation, I think, is the best yeah. word for it. No, no. Let me hear a little more about the persecutor. Though. Oh, yeah, I want to sure. hear about that guy. Uh, let's see. Yeah, let's talk about him some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's go back up. Uh, the persecutor insists it's all your fault, uh, a.k.a. villain. The persecutor is controlling, blaming, critical, oppressive, angry, authoritarian, rigid, and superior. Talks a lot more about the victim and the hero than it does the persecutor in this mm -hmm. Wikipedia page. Okay. Yeah, I was interested in hearing like the dynamics of the relationship yeah. between. Now there, I did see an example. Okay. Um, that kind of shows, you know, how all of those roles interact. Did you want to hear that example? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. So. I'm always interested in the villains. All right. Well, here's a little bit more about the persecutor before mm -hmm. I can find the example. Um, they keep the victim feeling oppressed through threats and bullying. Uh, in terms of resilience, persecutors can't bend, can't be flexible, can't be vulnerable, can't be human. Uh, they fear the risk of being a victim themselves. I don't know why I find the villains like so intriguing. Yeah, you've said that before. Yeah. Intrigued Do you think that. they're uh, misunderstood? I think so. Um, and they, they appear to wield power. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I find them interesting. Because they, you know, they appear to wield power. And I like, I have a thing where... When necessary, I like to confront power. Hmm. I, I just like that, you know. Yeah. Um, but that that's for me as a kid, you know. Like my dad taught me, like, to just attack what you're afraid of, you know. Will Smith said that, too. Really? He made a whole video about it. Yeah. Um, he went a deep sea diving um, and jumped out of a plane because he was afraid of it. He was afraid of it, yeah. And, and I've seen my son being that way. Mm -hmm. I've seen my son be that, you know, because I'd kind of put that in him, you know, so he just goes at stuff like he's afraid of it. Um, like we had, I forgot what kind of spider it was in the house, but we we had, I think one was like camel crickets, I guess that's what it's called. It looks like a, a, a cricket spider or whatever. Okay. They show up like in the fall. Okay. And um, we had one in the house and um, my son, like, you know, kids get taught to be afraid of things. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like so, my, my wife is terrified of spiders. Not sure why, but she is. And so, when she saw one, and the kids were little, she screamed really loud. Like screamed out stupid loud. And so now the kids are scared because they see it as something to be feared. Because you know your mom is somebody you still, when you're small, you see your mom as a protector too. Mm -hmm. So when the protector's afraid, it must be scary. Mm -hmm. So you know, walking my son through that was like, wow, you know, and, and so 
when he finally went after a spider, like one of those jumping joints, like he went at it with this loud war cry. He was like screaming at the top of his lungs. He's like just going at it, like really trying to kill it. And he's smashing it with his shoe. And then when he's done, he's, he's breathing real hard. And he just, I knew he was afraid of it, mm-hmm. but that's his way of getting over it. And I totally relate to that. You know, so the spider was the villain, yeah. you know, and he confronted that power that it seemed to have over him. Yeah. You know what and I mean? And that's how you exit the triangle. Yeah. When you like become self-aware of that Absolutely. and then you act on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he did that early. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> real. All right. Here's the example. Um, you probably uh, be able to relate to it. It's about a, it's a parent kind of example. Okay. Uh, so uh, dad comes home from work to find mom and junior engaged in a battle. Uh, clean up your room or else mom threatens. Dad immediately comes to Junior's rescue. Mom, he might say, give the boy a break. He's been at school all day. Any one of several possibilities might follow. Perhaps persecutor mom, feeling victimized by dad, will turn her wrath on him. In that case, she moves dad from rescuer to victim. They then might do a few quick trips around the triangle with Junior on the sidelines. Or maybe Junior joins dad in a persecutory, let's gang up on mom approach. Or then again, maybe Junior will turn on dad, rescuing mom. With mind your own business, dad, I don't need your help. (laughs) So it goes with endless variations, but nonetheless, uh, pinging from corner to corner on the triangle. For many families, it's the only way they know to interact. And there was a point made, too, I remember reading about it um, earlier, um, that this behavior usually starts in, you know, your family of Uh origin. Uh You learn how to uh, deal with conflict by assigning yourself or someone else uh, one of those three roles. And it keeps you from, like, doing anything. If I think the worst, you know, I don't even know which one I could say would be the worst, but maybe the worst for me would be if I was always putting myself in a victim to relinquish my power uh-huh. to direct my life. So many people do oh. that. And they point fingers, um, and they seek enablers, and they seek rescuers and heroes, uh-huh. and you just completely relinquish that to someone. It's your life. Yeah. And you just willingly give that to someone else to to direct and to guide. Yeah, and so that you know, admittedly, I've been all three. Mm-hmm. You know, um, at some point, um, but I, I think um, <laughs> the worst one to be. I think the worst one to be, well, they all they all suck, but um, that victim man is. Uh, that, that's a horrible place to be. Um, but I've also experienced how bad it is to be on the hamster wheel of being a hero. God, that yeah. sucks. Yeah, you got to jump off of that. Oh, man, it yeah. sucks. You know, um, because you, you you find yourself, you know, in this place where you must fix everything about everybody. And it does take away the time and attention you need to focus in on yourself. You know, even if you're not purposely saying, I'm going to do some work on myself to make myself better, even if it's not about that, but it's just, I need some time to kind of chill out or I need some, yeah, you know, just, just some time to myself or I need some time to go do this or to go there or to take care of this thing or whatever. You know, it's not necessarily even about doing the emotional defragmenting and then putting everything back together. Then you have to even be on that level, just leisure time, you know. Uh, time to handle certain responsibilities, time to prioritize, just that 
you really take away a lot from yourself, you know, even if you just remain dealing with things on the surface. Uh, you know, I got an assignment due. I've got, to, you know what I mean? I got to work on the car. I got to mm-hmm. whatever. You know, it, it really becomes this thing where you're putting yourself on the back burner. But what happens is um, you, you end up kind of putting a foot of your own in the territory of the victim mm-hmm. because you become dependent on the validation that being a hero, you know, affords you. You know, so now you're depending on somebody to, on another level, be a hero to you. That's been the most self-destructive, I think, for me. You know, um, it's something I walked away from some time ago, but that that's been like the the most uh, it's a self-destructive path that I've walked. Um, yeah. And and finding that, um, and, and that's that kind of I don't want to go in this direction too much, but we're talking about being a hero versus being a warrior. Yeah. You know, yeah, I get that. Not trying to go there right now, but no, yeah, and I, I know what you're talking about too. <laughs> you know, because the hero, it's like, and then they lived happily ever after. But happily ever after doesn't come with instructions. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You know, so like, what does that even look <laughs> yeah. like? Yeah, nobody knows. Yeah, we, uh, you know, go off of what we, see, but you know, what we see is all we yeah. can go off of. It's usually something on TV, um, some kind of movie or something. Absolutely. And, yeah, we get trapped. It's like, um, you know, girls growing up with this idea that their life should, you know turn out in the way that the Disney princesses have. Um, you get fed this idea that this is this is what a good, happy life looks like. This, these are the steps that happened. And so when, then we meet people who seemingly fit the roles that we've seen, and it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's happening. All right, so this person's going to do this, and it's like, you know, it's like trying to craft out um, like a movie, like a play. Unspoken it, job descriptions. Yeah, and of course no one's like outwardly doing that. You know, I don't think anyone's really aware of it. It'd be kind of psychotic if they were, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to be Cinderella now, and uh, I guess you're going to play this role. Right. Um, all right, you're going to be the stepmother. All right, stepsisters. Okay, we're good. We need somebody to be the prince here. All right, you. You seem like a, you know, like you'll work. You'll fit the bill. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it seems like um, those kind of people get to a place where they would think it's far too late. And it's like, oh, no, I messed up. That wasn't right. This was all wrong. I wish I would have, you know, recognized this sooner. What am I going to do now? I already did this. I already had these kids. I already moved here. I already took this job. I already told everyone this. I already showed everyone that. What am I going to do now? My life's over. You know, at 40. Yeah. With possibly, like, 40 years left. Right. Hole you can't Uh, dig your way out of now. Yeah. Oh, man. So... What uh, is a characteristic of yours that blocks you from living your life? A characteristic of mine is... Yeah, but something um, you do. Um, so, not necessarily related to the triangle we were speaking no. of? No, yeah, just in general. Um, I, I, well, I think that list is way shorter these days. But, um, Good, yeah. But one that I have... Uh, that I could definitely speak on is um, wanting to um, wanting everyone um, to get it, wanting everybody to understand. I mm. think, um, yeah, and that that that's part of that hero thing again too, because you want to think that um, 
the people around you get it. They know where you're coming from. They understand it. And they're cool with you doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, they give you the green light, mm -hmm. you know, because we've reached this level of understanding. You know, we sit uh, atop the plateau of mutual understanding now. So now I can go get it. You know, I can go be about this. I can go be about what I'm 100% about because uh, you know now because I've I've expressed it to you and, and we've spoken on it and we've had this grand meeting of the minds that says we're on the same page And now, now. you get it. And now, now I can go forth. and Right. Yeah. And it doesn't work. You know no, I, mean? I, I can imagine <laughs> that it work. doesn't. I've done that, you know. Um, yeah. So I think that was not, I, I don't, not that that's the thing now that stops me. Um, I can't really think now of a thing, not to say that I've got it all together, but I can't really think of a thing now that's like, this is keeping me from living my life, mm -hmm. you know, but that, that's the big one for me. Okay. Yeah. Mine is um, that I'm in my head too much. Okay. Um, and this keeps me from a, a lot of things. You sound like a guy. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> That's like what we were talking about in the uh, like the, the the masculinity and femininity episode. But yeah, I'm in my head too much, and it keeps me from doing a lot of things actually. Yeah. Because then I try to break everything down in my head before I feel like I can go and do whatever's next. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll do that, and so like let's say it's with my business that I have, mm -hmm. uh, with Mentality Code. When I was first starting that, I felt like I needed to exhaust all I thought that I could learn before I could start Correct. and promote it. And there's still a lot of stuff I could be, you know, and I am still learning a lot of things, but it was keeping me from like really going forward with it. Right. And, um, that kind of thing, um, like it, it, it stops me. Like it brings me to a halt because then I'm in my head about it so much. Uh, and, and I know when I'm doing it and I'm like, I just do it. Mm. Just whatever. Like, all right, you'll probably mess up or you probably don't know this. You'll, you'll learn what you don't know as, as you go with it. Correct. Um, but it, it stops me with, with so many things. Um, but, yeah, I'd say it's that I, like, really get stuck in my head. And, like, I've come across, like, things and people. Like, for me to get out of my head, like, I can do it myself. Because, mm -hmm. like, once I become aware of it, then I, you know, I'll stop. Right. Have you, you probably heard of it. I don't know if you've read, I haven't read it. But um, the, oh, man, it's Robert Greene. Um, okay. The. You're not talking about the laws, right? Yes. Of human nature that or human nature. Power? I have that one. Uh, seduction. Seduction. Okay. So one of them, I believe this is where it's from. I haven't read the book yet, but I've heard a lot about it. One of them talks about uh, what the best seduction type is mm -hmm. for different kinds of people. So like, here's this kind of person. Here's the best seduction type for them. Okay, gotcha. And so for Adam, and they all had like labels, like a, a specific kind of name. One for the one for that fit the way that I am with being in my head a lot. Um, the best seduction type for it. Uh, and and w when I say seduction, I feel like I should be clearer now. I'm not just talking about, you know, like romantic. Um, of course. And, and that that is a part of it, but not just that. Um, just the ability to uh, enamor someone. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know. Um, but the best type for the way that I tend to be is someone or something that like completely takes over my senses and you know gotcha. basically it brings me to my body and right. out of my head that's that's um, how it goes yeah so you know 
something that you know sounds great that like looks fantastic gotcha. um, like something that just looks re- or someone that just looks really really beautiful mm-hmm. you know and what in the ways that that is for me uh but that kind of stuff so what i will tend to do once i realize i'm like in my head too much right i'll go do like a really intense workout right um or i'll go listen to to some kind of music yeah. Or if there's someone around that, you know, I like looking at, then I'll oh, yeah. do that. Yeah. I'll put myself yeah. in that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey. Uh, but, you know, so that's my, you know, thing that holds me back. It's just like being in my head too much. Wow. Um, and that's how I, you know, how I work on that. By coming to your senses. Yeah. By, you know, basically being brought to my, my body. Yeah. Let's say, you, to, uh, let's say you have to go out of your mind to come to your senses, <laughs> you know? Mm, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's the same thing. And that's that's a. And so that's a. When I say you sound like a guy, you know, it's a very masculine um, way of dealing. You know, like um, I can say that about my wife, like for sure. Like, yeah. Because I, we were in our late twenties. You know, when we became familiar with each other, and boy, did she bring me out of my head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she really yeah. brought me like to my senses. You know, I go to the crib and. You know, she got like the incense or whatever candles, and I'm like, mm, yeah, okay, mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, and uh, or just hanging with her, you know, talking to her, you know, checking that out, or you know what I mean. You know, I have a thing where I like to touch it like right up under here, like under your, like if you're, you know, um, you know, like she was a little small lady. I don't know if you remember, but way back then. And I'd grab up under that arm, right? That skin, that <laughs> spot was real soft, you yeah. know. It just would bring me to, you know, out of my head some. So I dig it. We got that in common. Yeah. Got to get out of your mind and come to your senses. Yeah. I said that in band practice once. Recently? It was years ago. It okay. was because Jordan Probably was, when in, I the was band. in the band. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was back in my day. Jordan's like, Mr. E, man, you out of your mind, man. It's the only way to come to your senses. Mm, he's probably like, what? What does that mean? What? What does he mean? I think he got it, though. You know, it's Jordan. crazy. Jordan's pretty smart, though. No, yeah, he is. He's pretty sharp, you know, pretty sharp dude. What's up, Jordan? (laughs) His name is actually Mark. I've never called him Mark. Isn't his name actually Mark? I don't know now. It's Mark, right? Yeah. It's just Jordan, man. Forget (laughs) it, man. That dude's just Jordan. He would probably be offended, like, yo, Mr. E, you don't remember my real name? yeah. Yeah, probably. It's Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've already decided what your real name is. Yeah, um, yeah, it's Mark. Yeah, yeah, it is Mark. Yeah, I can't remember his last name now. It's Jordan last name. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just Jordan <laughs> off the Bernie Mac show, man. Jordan. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I I just thought about something. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the book's in here. Can you pass me that book behind you? It's a black and gold one, Psycho Cybernetics. I'm going to see if I can find the page while I'm talking. Yeah, that one there. There we go. So, I've read the, well, I actually haven't finished it, but I've read through this book, Psycho Cybernetics Mm -hmm. by um, Maxwell Maltz. And there's a section in it. um, And he basically talks about uh, the feedback mechanism in in neurology. It's basically the body's way of uh, constantly receiving input mm-hmm. matching up that input against what should be happening okay. and correcting in whatever way needs to be corrected so that the um 
that the uh, desired output happens. Gotcha. So, you know, you could think of it like, um, let's say you were, you were getting ready to trip. Let's say you tripped over something. Right. The body senses that it's falling uh-huh. and, you know, puts your arm out or, right. you know, it's flexes like a, a muscle to redirect default. the course. Yeah, to, yeah. to recorrect. Right, survival um, mechanism almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he blends, um, he does a really interesting job of blending that, like, legit uh psychology and uh like neurology like the actual science of it Uh and um and blending that with spirituality gotcha and how we can use the two to um you know be more confident to raise our self-esteem and you know that that. kind of thing he was a plastic surgeon okay he noticed a change a psychological change in that dude yeah maxwell maltz yeah m-a-l-t-z so there's a section in this book that i might not be able to find Um, Because I want to read it verbatim, but, you know, I kind of remember what it was. Mm -hmm. And he talks about basically being comfortable with whoever you are. Mm. And he said, you know, he wrote like four people who are, you know, religious. And I don't think you have to be religious to understand or um, to get this. But he says that if you do believe that we are created in God's image, Mm -hmm. then it would be disrespectful to God, essentially, to not live through whoever you are, to not be who you are. If you truly believe that you were created by God, the way that you are meant to be Mm -hmm. to not appreciate the way that you are is dishonoring that. Right. It's contradictory. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, if you, um, it's like if you have a kid and they do something that disappoints you and it's like, I didn't raise you this way. Like, why would you do that? I didn't teach you that. It's, it's, it's like that, I would imagine, you know, not having children. But that's, you know, the kind of example that he uses in the book. And so that's one way to look at it. And that's one way that I do look at it. Because I do believe I, you know, am made in the way that I should be. And that doesn't keep me where I am. Like, that just makes me, um, you know, I, like I, I still have intentions to grow, to become better. But who I really feel like I am at my core like, I feel like I owe it to myself, if nothing or nobody else, to be that. Right. It's integrity. Yeah. So, you know, that, you know, that's a way to look at it. That's like, that's, that's kind of heavy. Yeah. If you put it in that sense, like, my God made me like this, I'm going to be like this. Right. Like, no matter how many pressures exist outside of me that make me really not want to, that make it extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. To be who I am, to do what I want, to think how I think. Um, it's almost like you you have to. Mm-hmm. Like you can't not now. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Integrity. That's, that's just the word. Like like integrate. You know, mm-hmm. it's just the bringing together of, mm-hmm. you know, what's within and what's without and all things between. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's dope. Yeah. <laughs> That's dope. That's a good way to, to look at it, a good way to put it. But, uh, yeah, integrity. Um, or the way I like to say it, alignment of thought, word, and deed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What do you think is, um, what's at play when other people are, you know, disapproving of you when you're just being you? Like, what do you think is at play for those people? Typically? For those people? Yeah, for the people who are, like, the disapproving, the like, the judges, the finger pointers. Okay. Um, 
they either feel victimized. Like uh, like being shown a, refu- a reflection of themselves. Yeah. And it's like, how dare you yeah. when I can't. There you like go. Like that? Okay. So you know I'm just going around the triangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Got it, got it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we started with that. Right. They, they either feel victimized by me doing, you know, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's all about what lens they see what you do through. Mm-hmm. Um, they, of course, to us, those who are disapproving, we see them as persecutors. You know, because rarely, I think, rarely do persecutors see themselves as persecutors. Like, everybody thinks they're the good guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or they might feel like you need saving because you're so lost in you being you. Say that again? Yeah. They might feel like you need saving. Okay. Um, the persecutor? No, no. Just the, the oh, people okay. who are disapproving. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, the people who are disapproving might feel like, well, you need saving from yourself or from whatever this is that mm-hmm. that's influencing you. Yeah. You know, when you're just doing you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree that it's like usually a um like being shown a reflection of themselves. And mm-hmm. it's like, you think you can do this when I can't? Right. Well you can't. Right. Because I can't. Um it's terrible to do to people, man. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh I remember this one time, um, I was 19, and this is back when I was a student at the Art Institute. Mm-hmm. I was taking the train back home, and I was riding with uh, uh, this guy who was in my class. We were talking, and we had pretty much the same trip. So we would, like, just hang out till we made it to where we needed to get off. And he, um, he was a pretty religious dude, and I like talking about that kind of stuff. And so we were just talking about like God, what we thought God was, about other religions. Oh. Yeah, about other religions. And at this time I had recently become like very interested in other religions and just how other people think of the same thing. And so my thoughts weren't very um cohesive yet on it. I knew how I felt about it. But in trying to explain it to someone else it was, you know, it's kind of um a fumble a lot. But, I, you know, I was okay with that. We were just talking, two mm. friends. And I, was, I don't remember what exactly I was saying, but I was trying to express my thoughts. Basically, I was feeling like there are a bunch of religions, and I agree that there is, is something, you know, mm-hmm. uh, all-encompassing. Oh, all-encompassing. Yeah. Um, and I was expressing that I felt like we were all talking about the same thing. Not him and I, but just, you know, people of, you know, different religions of different walks of life. And I was trying to say that. And I remember not being able to verbalize it quite how I wanted to. Mm. There was an older woman uh, sitting in front of us who turned around while I was trying to explain myself and had like this extremely disapproving look on on her face. Mm. And it made me so uncomfortable, I remember. It made me not want to talk about it anymore. Um, and it, it, like, it felt like, like getting looked at by like your grandma or something. Yeah. And it's like, you did something you weren't supposed to do. And it looked like that. And, you know, I was still very young. Uh-huh. And, uh, like I said, I, I wasn't very clear on, um, what I was feeling. I just was talking about it. Right. And she made me feel bad for that in the way that she looked at me. And she didn't even say anything. She just kind of turned around and looked like you need to stop and then turn back around. And it made it harder for me to finish what I was trying to say because I was already fumbling over 
my yeah. thoughts. And so I just felt really bad. I'm like, she can hear us, and she's still sitting there. Now I don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. At the same time, I re- and I've always been this way. I remember thinking, you know, and thanks to, to my mom, like we talked about in the last clip, I remember thinking, um, like, you know, I won't, like, I felt so bad inside. But I remember thinking I won't feel like this forever. And there will be a day where this kind of situation arises again, and it won't bother me, either at much or at all. And so I remember just, like, kind of in myself was like, why did that make me feel so bad? Why did I allow that to, you know, make me feel so terrible? Um, and it, like, it was such a small thing. She just looked at me, and I mm-hmm. just, like, didn't want to share my thoughts anymore. <laughs> and, you know, and from that point on, I was just like, I can't let anybody make me feel like that anymore. Like, I can't let that happen again. Like, that sucked. I hated that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and all I was doing was talking. I wasn't planning, like, a war on religions or anything or, uh, you know, anything like that. Um, but I wonder, now that we're talking, what it was that I said and how it made her feel to give her permission for herself to do that. To turn around and, like, scold me like that and then turn back around. What, what was brought up in her? For her to feel that way. Like that whole time I spent like being upset that I allowed someone else to have a hand on my emotions. I had a hand on hers. I don't know what it was. This is my first time thinking of it like that. But I want, you know, I wonder if, um, if something similar like that happened to her mm-hmm. and she, you know, grew to believe that it was wrong to do, you know, what I was doing to talk about things openly like that, to talk about that kind of thing openly like that. And I would imagine that most people are unaware that they're doing that and that those are, you know, that that's their reason. But you've really got to, you know, well, I had to practice not allowing other people's disapproval of me just being me not stop me from being me. Right. And that's hard. I was so uncomfortable for so long after that. Wow. Yeah. But you said it, though. You, you said it good. You was like, uh, well, she had a hand on my feelings. When Actually, it looks like I had a hand on hers. I think uh, both of you had your turn in the victim seat, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then in her looking at you like that, um, she took a moment, I think, to be almost assuming the role of the hero. You know, stop that. You need to cut that out. You need to, you know, get up off that. Almost like, you know, like I was saying before, you know, sometimes people who are disapproving, they either feel victimized by you or they feel like they have to save you. You know, and in your eyes, she's probably a persecutor. Yeah, she was. But you see, like, how the whole triangle got visited, yeah. you know. Yeah, I had definitely made her that and had made myself the, the mm-hmm. victim. But I also made myself the hero. Right. Um, as uncomfortable as it was to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, what is that right there? That stone right there? <laughs> it's a Himalayan pink salt lamp. Man, because I, I keep looking at it like. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I use that one um, to light the room when it's dark. Okay. So, like, the way that this one's on now kind of lights up the whole room. Mm-hmm. That one, um, it's pink. And, and it's a very, um, like, kind of moody light. Yeah. And it lights up just that space. So when I'm sitting here, 
at night and mm-hmm. the curtains are closed. I have blackout curtains. I like that one to be on. All right, cool. Other rather than this one. Yeah, I keep looking at it like. Yeah. What is that? It's supposed to have some kind of a benefits like the salt supposed to be like ionizing or something you know that's what okay. you know, has been said about it i don't actually know if that's the case i just like the way it looks yeah it looks cool but yeah it's salt yeah now i want to go lick it i've wanted to lick it this whole time i've had it for a while but i'm like oh, i'm sure it's coated <laughs> haven't yet no i haven't okay <laughs> <laughs> okay no have you um can you remember any uh specific situations where someone made you feel like you weren't allowed to be you uh yeah yeah um Absolutely. I think um I'm a I'm kind of a kind of a old soul. I mean, well, now I'm 43, but I've been 43 since I was 13, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> but now um just with that, just I mean, just just really you could think of really casual encounters like with your buddies even, you know, yeah. as a teenager, you know, because I was so old I, like I could think of a time um, I might have been like 15, right? And I just thought that I knew something. You know, I mm-hmm. had like a little girlfriend. and yeah. You know what I mean? And um, Got my little first taste of really having a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. sexually, right? And so this is my whole world right here. And meanwhile, I got like, you know, some homeboys. They just kind of, you know, being teenage boys. And just, you know, I like this one today and that, you know. And I'm like, man, you a dog, man. You need to just chill out with all that, man. You know, this is what I'm doing. You yeah. know what I mean? You need to get like, they're like, man, you got a problem, man. Something wrong with you, Lonnie. Why are you acting like you your father's age, man? Like, you need to chill from all that. And I was like, hmm, everyone <laughs> is telling me this. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, they were right. <laughs> had no business trying to be, you know, uh, grown on that level. But um, it it kind of uh, came around in a lot of ways, though, because I would, like, dig music, you know, that was just beyond our years, you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, I I'd get that. i play something, and boys be like, man, turn this off, man. We're trying to listen to this, man. It's some 40-year-old stuff, you know, so yeah. I would just listen to it on my own. I've experienced that, too. You know, you know yeah. so... Real casual stuff like that, you know what I mean? But in more recent times, um, I, I've <laughs> I've gone through, uh, like, let's just say at work, mm-hmm. you know, I got a way that I like to do things, you know, a way that, I, I mean, particularly, you know, because I'm a, I'm a music educator, so I get to be a creative, you know, doing my job. And, and I'm very, I do it very true to, the way that that I the, the way that I move the way that I understand creatively you know um and it puts me in, in a different role from a lot of my um colleagues and contemporaries but um that could become a thing you know if I allow it to you know just really bear down on my mind hard oh well, maybe I should do it that way perhaps I should you know but that's just something I refuse to bend on I just won't do it, you know, yeah. but I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen with folks in our profession, you know, and, and then you try to be somebody else, you know, and you're never going to put out a good result. No. You know, like, um, let's say you and I, you know, 
your your band director at such and such high school mm-hmm. close by me you know and let's say i'm i'm a real heavy jazz band guy and i really like jazz band a lot but let's say you're in the marching band really hard and that's what you do and meanwhile our other friend is at another school and he's a concert band guy mm-hmm. you know and people can impose you know their um you know, their interests or, or just sometimes try to stick their glasses and hang them from your face, you know, and try to hang their glasses on your face. Mm-hmm. And they can never really do that. But you still, even though you've got on rose-colored sunglasses, you're trying to see things the same way the dude who wears the blue-tinted shades, you know, would see yeah. it. And you hold, uh, you, you find yourself holding yourself to, you know, your man Bobby Blue Shades over there. You know, um, that's that's something I think that that could actually happen. I've just been very intentional, you know, about not not allowing that allowing that to happen. But definitely, um, I, I I see it, and I have seen it, you know, and I still see it, you know, to this day. And that was a cool way to go about it by keeping it nameless, though. You know. No, yeah, yeah, I picked <laughs> up on it. I picked up on it. Right. Um, but yeah, I can't think of a time right now. I'm sure it, you know. I have experienced it, but where I thought that maybe I should be doing something in the way that somebody else does it, either right. because I look up to them or uh, because it, it seems like they have like a lot of success in doing it their way. And, I, and I'm like, I guess I got to do it that way. Right. Even though like, I think I'd like this, but I guess that doesn't work because that person's way works. Right. I know I've done that. I can't think of a time right now, but I'm, I'm sure I have knowing myself. I'm, I'm sure that, even in my moments where I've done things where today I would be like, oh, I wish I didn't do it that way. I'm sure that in that actual moment, I at the same time was already thinking that and was ignoring it. Like that at the time I was like, oh, I'm going to do it this way because they did. But I probably shouldn't. But I am. Like I'm, right. I'm sure I've, I've done that because I've, I've done it with everything else in my life. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's just not honoring uh, yourself. There you go. Yeah, and that, like, my, the main thing I really want to drive home with all of this is just that, like, nobody else knows. And it, you know, I think I really started to realize that when I turned 25, Hmm. somewhere in that year, where it was like I was, you know, stumbling with adulthood and was finally getting some kind of footing with things. And I was like, um, I remember just realizing nobody really knows. Like, nobody's really getting this right. No. Like, my age, younger, older, far older. Like, everyone's been doing things in a way that they think they should, either by their own uh, standards or through someone else's, like we're saying. But nobody really knows. Like, nobody's really got it right. And even if somebody for themselves would say they did get it right, then that's for themselves and still not for you. It's for them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's still based on what they know. Yeah. And don't right, know. what they've experienced. Right. Yeah. 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 And because of that, that actually brought me a lot of um like relief. It was like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one that it doesn't quite get this mm-hmm. or doesn't quite know what's the right thing to do with this kind of situation. Right. Nobody else does. I feel better now. Right. Now I can just go ahead and just go do things the way I think they should. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. Dude. That's what everybody else is doing anyway. Yeah. I might as well do it in a way that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. But realizing that 
And like, if anybody's listening has not realized that yet, no, nobody knows. Mm-hmm. I'm still young. You tell them. Yeah, it is the truth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in my 40s, and, and there are cats in their 60s and 70s that still, you know, if they were honest, they would tell you the same thing. Yeah. You know, um, as you go, you know, you, you do collect some wisdom, hopefully, you know, and say hopefully, but mm-hmm. um, nobody, no, nobody's really got it down because you don't know what you don't know. Right. And, you know, and that's because you don't know what you don't know, you know, because you don't know it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, right. You never really feel like you're missing anything that you've never been made aware of or never been exposed to. You know, um, when when 50 years ago, everybody wasn't walking around with a cell phone. Nobody felt like they were missing out on anything. Yeah, I think of that kind of thing, too. You know, People did things in this way, and they were fine with it. They were fine with you it. Know. You don't know what you don't know. Right. You know, so you can't sit here in 2021 and say, man, 1971, man, hey, Man, I couldn't have been around in them days. They, they didn't even have. Yeah, yes, you could yeah, have, and yeah, you'd have been yeah. fine. Yeah, you know, you'd have been fine. Mm-hmm. And and people were fine uh, with what they had. And and for them, it was all good. You know, people who died before CD players, you know, or <laughs> yeah. before cassette players, they they were fine. They yeah. were okay. They they didn't know about that. Never missed it. You know, and so a lot of people don't know what you know. And um, there, there are people who know what you don't know, mm-hmm. and you're gonna feel just fine, you know. And and you think about, like you were talking about, at age 25, you know, a certain set of lights came on for you at 25. Yeah. But at 21, you know, before you even knew that the switch existed, you did all right. Yeah. You know, by yeah, your estimation, fine. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, so there it is, though. You know, just trying to impose, you know, just your view of it on another person, you know? So I, I guess, you know, in living your own life, you know, um, it's, it's, it's about, you know, intentionally using what you have to the best of your ability, you know? And, and that's where, you know, that's where individuality like really, uh, comes to life there, you know? And it feels good when you get there. Absolutely. Cause even if you mess up, you're like, well, that's the way I wanted to do it. Right. And you know, so that's, that's that. I could mess up. Um, I could lose if I lose doing it my way. I can live with that. If if I play my game and I, I go about life the way that I really believe, I mean with integrity, you know, like to really go about life um, the way that I truly believe it to be uh, in my core for me. If I go about that and I lose, I can live with that. The only time I have anything uh, neighboring regret is when I've done it someone else's way and then I lose because then what do I want to do? I want to assume the victim seat and blame them for it, Mm -hmm. you know, and say it's their fault. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that again, it just relinquishes all power and responsibility that you have for for your life. And man, here we go. We've just come full circle. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. (laughs) And if you, you know, if you being you, like hurt someone else in some way, like it yeah. makes them uncomfortable just because you're truly just being you. You're like you're not harming anyone. Uh, you're not doing anything that negatively impacts another another person's life other than just being yourself. Then like you really got to learn to be like, well, so 
Right. Like, I don't care who that person is. Right. Like that that person's not living your life. It doesn't matter who they are, what they've taught you, who they may have been to you once before. Like it's like you've got to go uh, your own way. Nobody is at the end of their life saying, you know, they're a hundred years old and you know their soul is tired. You know, they're coming to the end. Nobody is at that point or on their deathbed saying, I sure wish I had spent more time denying myself. I should have spent more time uh, living my life according to what other people think it should be. I wish I had done more of that. Nobody's saying that, you know? Yeah. If you have comments about this episode, questions about it, um, I'd like to know what living your own life means to you. I'm sure you would too. No doubt. Talk you know, to us. Yeah, email us. It's uh, we might be wrong at gmail.com. W E M I G H T B with no E, W R O N G at gmail.com. Yeah, shoot us something. Let us know what you think. How at us. Peace.